0: Welcome to the Birthing Instincts podcast. I'm Dr. Stuart Fishbine, community-based practicing obstetrician and longtime advocate for birth choices,
1: and I'm Bliss Young, a licensed midwife. Join us in our conversational-style podcast where we talk about everything birth.
0: Sometimes we laugh, sometimes we cry, but we're happy that you're here. So here we go. This, this is a Soulfire Soul Fire production. production. We're winging it today. Well, you're uh,
1: you're catching up to my wing game.
0: Yeah, we are both on the move. Uh, yeah, movers Sed- and
1: shakers.
0: You're in Sedona, Arizona. Not today. Oh. I'm in.
1: Uh, nope. I'm in Palm Desert. I'll be in Sedona later. I have to drive.
0: Ah, very nice. And what's the after, occasion? What's the occasion after. for Sedona?
1: Um, actually, I'm. I'm. I have a mentor program, and one of my mentees um lives out there in Sedona, and she's got a couple Airbnbs, and she just offered for me to come out for the week and I said yes because I've been wanting to remember I was going to go to Sedona um right before we all got locked down March of 2020 and
0: then, yeah uh, I think I vaguely remember that and then we were supposed to go to uh to uh Ecuador after that and <laughs> all that collapsed. I still
1: cry about that it,
0: it's it's <laughs> collapsing yeah well I'm I'm in Berea Kentucky and I have the honor of uh, bringing out a guest in a little bit uh our friend Maren Green I'm very From very birth, so I'll yeah. we'll get to that in a second. I just wanted to uh, tell you I'm, I'm I'm sort of tired. I've been I, I'm on vacation for a week now, and I've I never I haven't had a day sitting still. Yeah. So um, I've been dry. I drove cross country. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was quite an adventure. Um, driving the beast, uh, the winds across North New Mexico and ok- and the Panhandle of Texas and uh, Oklahoma were a direct crosswind. And at 30, you know, like 30 miles an hour, and this thing's like a big cardboard box. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, 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 it was sort of exciting to, um, I guess, exciting is a, a, a nice euphemism for uh, the adventure that I had going across country, but I made it. And uh, I had a funny story that happened to me in, uh, as I crossed into Arkansas, um, as you cross in, uh, often on the median, there's a state trooper there when you cross into other states they often i'm not sure why they do that they want to maybe catch people speeding or whatever and i you know i'm only going like 70 miles an hour 68 miles an hour i'm in the right lane <laughs> the slow lane <laughs> and you know two minutes later i look up and his lights are on and he's behind me uh-oh and he pulls me over uh-huh so i'm looking for my driver's license because i i uh it was not where i usually keep it because i had used it recently for some checking in at some place and so then he knocks on the door and I open the door and he says, uh, are you okay? <laughs> I go, why? says <laughs> cause you were kind of <laughs> weaving. You're kind of weaving on the road. Uh, and I said, yeah, it's the winds. And I'm just, you know, I'm not used to it. It's a new, it's a new machine. And, and uh, turns out that, you know, I, we started talking and we'd had a conversation and he, um, he tells me that he finds I tell, I tell him what I do and what I'm on mm-hmm. my way to do. And we have this great conversation. He tells his wife is pregnant. Oh, my gosh. And and then he tells me that, yeah, they had this test done that shows there might be something genetically wrong with the baby. And she's 17 weeks. And I said, oh, you had the quad screen done um, or the combination screen, whatever they want to call it. And I said, did they do the NIPT test? He goes, well, they did another test just this week where they said they'll have the results back for us next week. And they'll tell us. Yeah. And I said, well, that's the right test. And we ended up having a conversation about reassuring his wife that everything was okay (laughs) and so then his buddy gets out of the out of the uh patrol car and he waves him back he says no no everything's fine (laughs) and he he continues the conversation we talked for like 10 minutes about his about his wife's pregnancy and about pregnancy in general and i'm trying to reassure him and telling him to find a midwife and to get it but he's you know but he's got crappy uh trooper state insurance you know that that they have to use the union insurance and so um but anyway, I said, well, even if you have to use that insurance, maybe you could find a midwife for some of your prenatal care because your midwife will have a, a much better experience. And he was very grateful for that whole thing. So uh,
1: you, know, was, you know how I feel about relying on insurance for our choices for birth. So thumbs down.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm sure the trooper doesn't make that much money, but still, it's it's an investment in their future, and they yeah. So he knows. And, oh, and I gave him my business card and I said, she'd send his wife to my website, check it out. Maybe she'll get some ideas and things that, that might change her the future. So it was interesting. It was great that I was wobbling because maybe <laughs> I changed the future of this white lady's pregnancy. We'll see what happens. It's a good story anyway.
1: That was the universe putting you together. Um, it reminded me, I have this new client who came into care. Remember we when uh, Hayes was on, she talked about the Victoria project. Yes. And- new young couple um, that applied to get one of their scholarships to be able to have a home birth with me. So I went to do their first visit. Um, They're also putting, per my suggestion, they also on their um, registry put asking for cash money for their health care rather than A crib or something, you know, so they said they're already getting money, which is great. But she told me that when she went into the regular OB, she went by herself and she's young and she doesn't really know. And so she was just trying to do the best she could. And the doctor uh, did the genetic screening test for her and the bill came in. Guess how much it was?
0: Twelve hundred dollars. $2,400
1: $2,400 didn't pay. The insurance didn't pay for it. And she just is kind of shrugging your shoulders. Like I got to pay this bill. Now I'm like, no, no, you got to call them back yeah, and, and tell them that you need a sliding scale and, you know, explain the situation. But I was like, you know, I mean, this was, this the,
0: was this the NIPT test?
1: I, I think so. I couldn't, I was trying to pull it apart with her. I think so.
0: Yeah. That's what the, that's what these companies build the insurance company, but there's arrangement and it hasn't been a problem of late, but, there's an arrangement that I know of with all the companies that if you call them, um, you can get, uh, the price would not be more than 300 bucks.
1: Yeah. I'm you, pretty you, sure. Nine, but the last I heard it was about 200. So yeah, somewhere between a and 300 much better than 2400 for sure.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of uh, past podcasts, um, Last yeah. week's pod, last week's podcast. I got a couple of follow ups for you, okay? Just so you you'll you'll find out. Hopefully, you'll find them amusing. Um, oh, I want you, I want you to know the last two out of the last three nights, I had steak for dinner. Uh huh. And I did not have to have peanut butter and applesauce on my steak. <laughs> I, I was able that. to have just steak. So I, I, you know, people will know if they listen to last week's podcast. I'm not gonna. If you didn't know what that means, you have to listen to last week's podcast. Yeah
1: not in the
0: know if you didn't listen. <laughs> right. And then interestingly enough, um I, I um the, we talked a little bit about breastfeeding last time and how they're undermining breastfeeding the some of the uh, big pharma companies and, and pushing, pushing formula and and um what we didn't I don't think we talked about in the last podcast but I've talked about it since is I've had a couple people ask me to write a p- prescription for domperidone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we don't have Dom Peridon in the United States anymore. And my feeling why we don't have Dom Paradona in the United States anymore is because if it works, then it, people, women can continue to breastfeeding. And if it doesn't work, then um, they'll have to go to formula. So why would any, pharma, you know, why would any government agency or who, who, who's bribed by the pharmaceutical companies want to want to authorize Dom Paradona and make it legal so they made it illegal in the United States. So I was having lunch with the daughter of my longtime office manager, who happens to live in Lexington, Kentucky the other day. And she's a veterinarian. And I was telling her this story because we were just talking and she said, oh my God, we have cases of that stuff. Wow. And I said, because I said, yeah, all the breeders around here use it for their horses to be at their horses to make more milk for their foals. And I wow. said, well, can I, can I get some? And she said, she said, well, it's a paste. So it reminded me of the, uh, the ivermectin, uh, horse dewormer paste, the debacle. And here, here, um, Dom is fine for horses in America, Mm -hmm. but it's, but it's not fine for humans. That's right. right. And these horses, a lot of them are worth a lot more than a lot of (laughs) of the, a lot of the humans (laughs) in our country. So,
1: wow. Okay.
0: Well, think about it. Think about some, some of these horses are are worth out here. You're talking Kentucky.
1: Okay. But still, I think of human life is still worth more. That's just yeah. my opinion.
0: Well, you and I <laughs> probably think that, but I'm sure that there's a lot of people in our government who don't think that clearly.
1: Clearly.
0: Because it's authorized for horses, but it's not authorized for humans. <laughs> and then um, lastly is that I think I might've mentioned on the last podcast that I, uh, I went in and got a whole bunch of battery of tests done on my back and my neck and, and stuff like that. And it's been, it's been, um, 10 days since I had those tests done. And we talked a lot about slow medicine at our last podcast and about taking the time to talk to people. And so it's been 10 days since I got the test done. It's been a week since the, the stuff was supposed to be sent to my doctor. I hadn't heard a word, you know, all these tests and I hadn't heard a word from my doctor. So I finally called them this morning and um, they apparently didn't get the results back till Friday. Yeah, sure. Right. No, I'm just saying that that's what the office said. And I was guaranteed by the radiology people that they'd get it to them the Monday before, but they didn't get back till Friday, but they said that he's booked until the end of May. So we're going to have to try to find a cancellation in order for him to have a conversation with you on the phone. So (laughs) They've got my results, but because
1: eleven it's
0: April eleventh today, yeah, mm-hmm. and crazy I said, I said, you're kidding, you can't just like during lunch call me back he says not, <laughs> no no that's not how it works. He needs to go over everything he needs to write notes he needs to, you know this is this is i mean i I chose to go to a very high class beverly hills neurolog- uh, neurosurgeon, so but I just can't imagine running my office like that. I can't imagine making people wait for their test results potentially for weeks.
1: No, you have to get it off your plate. It will drive you crazy if you don't call people back right away.
0: yeah, and it's just and it's just the right it's just the golden rule. It's the right thing to do
1: Yes, yes.
0: yes, yeah. Do you, do you, um, I, I hope your sound is being picked up completely because you're 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 cutting in and out a little bit. I'm hoping that our sound people can do it because what you have to say is always so freaking important.
1: Oh thanks. Right. I'll see I have, you. I have,
0: I have, I have one um, distressing piece of uh, news and then, I, and then it's all going to be uphill from there. Okay? Okay. All right. So this is from Australia and it came um, in one of the emails I get and it was, uh, the title is, in Australia, doctors are now being warned they must follow public health messaging even if those messages contradict independent research or what is best for patients. And it's written by Alex Berenson, who I tend to follow. And it says, Australia's march toward medical authoritarianism continues. Doctors are now being told they could face discipline for saying anything that contradicts public health messaging, even if what they say is (laughs) (laughs) evidence-based. They may even face investigations for authoring papers that health authorities do not like can you believe we've gotten to this point? I mean, yes, I can believe it, but I mean, what do you think? I mean, what do you, when you hear this stuff, does it, it's,
1: yeah. Um, when I hear it, it's, um, it feels like what ha- I've been feeling is coming for a long time is now more kind of mainstream. You know, it used to be something that just, you know, alternative healthcare practitioners were discussing because, um, It felt that way, things that we wanted to do as midwives sometimes became illegal, you know, we weren't allowed to do anymore, we couldn't talk about. Um, It reminds me of of something I saw today about uh, a woman in Texas, and I know abortion is a really touchy subject, but we've talked about the comparison before about why is it okay to get up in arms about the fact that we're, we're pushing, uh, not respecting bodily autonomy when it comes to abortion. Um, but when it comes to the COVID conversation people don't kind of uh, follow the same thought process. So this thing that came up today is about a woman who is getting uh, charged with murder for uh doing her own abortion in texas Um, so that's what it that's what it made me some cognitive dissonance uh when it comes to this conversation it it applies in some places and then in other places it's okay to force people to do things Um, so yeah Yeah. it it feels like a police state it feels like you know we're not we're um we're not being able to have the freedom to be able to speak about what we know, even if it's evidence-based, which is just seems insane.
0: Yeah. That's yeah. the part that, that, you know, I, I, there have been times where there's been censored, uh, you know, where we, w- with where certain laws would be passed that wouldn't allow physicians to offer this option or that option, but never before have I seen it, this generalized where you can't publish your data if it doesn't meet with the government's <laughs> message or, or that you can't, You know, put something on social media that the government disagrees with, or you could potentially lose your license, or even worse, if it becomes illegal, you could eventually even get put in jail.
1: Yeah, but what I'm saying is that midwives have been dealing with that for a very long time. So that's that's what I'm saying. It's it's new to you as a physician, but these are things as midwives. We've been afraid to speak out and to do things that we knew were the right thing to do for centuries.
0: Okay, okay. Yes. <laughs> well, you know what? That's that's an interesting take on it. It's not something that I would have thought of, because I, you know, you're right. I'm a, I'm a, I'm in my little box, and I just have never thought that I would see the day where that the doctor-patient relationship would be non-existent anymore, and that we we are just propagandists. You know, this is what I, I often wonder: Why do we need to go to medical school anymore? Why would waste our time with medical school residency? Why don't they just have pamphlets that they give everybody that tells them what they have to do. I mean what's the point? And robots. Robots and algorithms. What 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 else do they need? There's Coming. right. So, yeah, it's awful. Okay. That's the end of the awful stuff. Let's get to some good stuff, okay? Uh, maybe we should take a break right now and talk about your favorite subject. <laughs> what?
1: <laughs> sorry for those of you who weren't in on the joke, but Stu, uh, Stu, uh, pretended to have boobies for a minute. So bam boobies are, our, uh, our lovely and devoted sponsor. Thank you so much for, um, believing in us. And, uh, we believe in you too. And they're an amazing company that has, um, a commitment to the comfort of mom and baby. And one of the reasons why, I mean, a lot of companies are committed to that. One of the reasons why I love them is because they're also committed to taking care of the environment. So they use reusable resources like bamboo, which is awesome um, in a lot of their uh, clothing line and in their breast pads, They're awesome heart-shaped breast pads, which are my favorites. What else do they have, Stew that you've that oh, you, you, know, I, I
0: don't use their products because uh, <laughs> my skin is the most neglected uh, living organism on earth. But, <laughs> <laughs> but besides that, um, they have a great boutique and people should go to badboobies.com and look. And they have their organic dip balm and some other things that that a lot of our listeners would be interested in. So yeah,
1: they, they're
0: they awesome. Badboobies.com and use the code word instincts. That's I-N-S-T-I-N-C-T-S. You get 25% off your purchase. Do it. Yeah, do it because we love saying bamboobies. We love having them as our sponsor. We don't ever want them to not be our sponsor because then I wouldn't be able to say bamboobies. We love you.
1: (laughs) We love you.
0: We have a guest and I I have two letters that are relevant. So I'm going to introduce our guest first. And then Re- I'm going to read, and then I'm going to read to the letters. It. Okay. Marin Green has been attending women as a midwife since 2009. First as a licensed midwife and now as an independent autonomous midwife in Kentucky. Maren is well known for her international association, the Indie Birth Association, which serves and educates women and midwives all over the world. She has co-authored a book about Indie Birth and recorded almost 200 and counting podcasts called Taking Back Birth. We highly recommend it, that encourage women and midwives to rethink what they have been taught and reconnect with ancient wisdom in combination with current research and knowledge. Well, you're gonna have a lot to ask. You're gonna have a lot to talk to her about, aren't you?
1: I know. That's why I suggested it.
0: With Margot, <laughs> Margo, Marin has co founded the first Indie Birth Midwifery School in 2017 and released her first book, Indie Birth, a story of radical birth love, in 2019. Coincidentally, she founded that in Sedona, Arizona which is where you're going, but now she's in Berea, Berea, Kentucky, excuse me. I learned that it's pronounced differently. Marin has been taught by witnessing hundreds of undisturbed births, the best of which have been the births of her own 10 children. So welcome, Marin.
2: Hi, Bless. It's so nice to meet you.
1: Hi, I know, officially, right? I mean, I listen, I'm a a fan.
2: You guys have never met? No. We have never met, and how silly that I'm not in Sedona anymore to give you a hug tomorrow or whenever it is. That's crazy.
1: <laughs> I know, but you were you were needing to move on, and, and you're enjoying Kentucky?
2: Yeah, I love it. It's green and fertile and just so expansive. You know, Sedona's beautiful, but it was time.
0: And it was freezing two days ago. <laughs> it was freezing cold two days in ago. Sedona? No, no, no,
1: not.
0: Yeah. In in, In Kentucky. uh, Kentucky. Yeah. It's better now. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. There are seasons here. So that's taking some getting used to, um, but overall, yeah, it's a, it's been really beautiful and, and so great this past weekend. I have Dr. Stu here and so many beautiful women from all over this area, all kinds of places and States, uh, attended this workshop this past weekend. So yeah, I'm pretty, pretty happy with it.
0: Yeah, speaking of the workshop, I mean, we 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 did a whole breach workshop yesterday where I gave some lectures in the morning, and then we uh posted, we put our two so I have two Sophies and their moms now, so we had one in the inverted uh, upright position and we had one in the lithotomy type position, and we everybody got to practice on both of them. So that was a lot of, of fun yesterday. It was a long day. You have
1: two of them now.
0: I do. I bought a you second have two one. Now? Yes.
1: Oh. Wow. I yeah, well, you know, I, I'm going to be...
0: What's that? Say it again.
1: I said, I know they're really pricey, right?
0: Yeah, they are pricey. I didn't know
1: you were... Yeah.
0: Well, I I, I thought logically, which is what I tend to do a lot of times, um, <laughs> is that I'm going around the country teaching breach. I have one Sophie and her mom. What if that mom tears? What if What if it breaks? And I'm traveling and I, you know, and I'm carrying them with me in the beast. So... I, I don't, <laughs> that's my, that's my nickname for my RV, but, um, it's so, you know, <laughs> it's lie. not like I, it's not like I can, and I can't fly with two Sophies. All right. It's just, it, it's too much weight. You just can't do it. So, but I thought mm-hmm. I'd buy another one just because I, well, this is one of my missions now for at least the next six months or so is to teach uh breech birth. And so, uh, it worked out really well, wouldn't you say? Yeah.
2: Yeah, it was weirdly fun <laughs> to work with the models and yeah having one that was in the lithotomy um was actually really interesting and i don't know if you saw on instagram we posted one of those videos i think it got like i did 13,000 views already and mostly because people were up in arms why is that model on her back you know they didn't get that we had both options going on um and you know it's an option it's an option for women so why wouldn't we have those skills.
0: Yeah. And, and I, I, I talk in my lectures and I say, listen, a lot of women start out trying to b- do breach on all fours, but a lot of them don't like it. A lot of them don't push well on all fours. So you, the, if you're going to learn breach skills, you got to learn the skills in whatever position the mother wants to choose in. And if you only know, especially one, one direction, it's very confusing to switch from Absolutely. one to the other. Right. For me, yeah. it was hard to yeah. switch to the all fours position because I was for, you know 30 years 35 years I, I did uh, in lithotomy position that's how we did it and now I'm now I'm ampidec- with my breach delivering but um, yeah but people do get outraged about that I get I get emails about that how come like the like the the video with Aurora's breach birth which is one of the most viewed videos on YouTube ever as far as breaches go and you know this was in 2011 and that's how we did breaches in 2011 but people are relating it to how they feel today and they think that well, this is wrong because she's on her back, but that's how we did breaches.
1: So, um, tell me, tell me, uh, why don't you do your letters? Because yeah, you let's had some, and then I'll and then I'll ask questions as we go.
0: Yeah, let's do letters. Now they, they're a little bit long. These letters, so um, but they're but they're they're so relevant and timely for what we're talking about. So I just thought I'd bring them in. So first one is hi, Doctor Stu and Bliss. First off, I'm a huge fan, and I've listened to all of your episodes. Bliss is the best co-host.
1: In the business.
0: In the business. The blisterious one. <laughs> this past week, I'm, I'm, and by the way, I apologize to our listeners if there's a sound issue. We're just it's, it's our connection today. We're doing the best that we can. So this past week, I ended up at a surprise breach that I discovered when she was nine centimeters. That's the first time I checked her, which was good for her. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, your assistant, Emily, was at the woman's doula and was actually texting you while she was at the birth. Emily captured a beautiful breech birth image that has gone around Instagram and even made it onto your story. Thank you for sharing with the fellow travelers. Here's the story. I was finding heart tones right above the pubic bone when I first arrived. She didn't want to be checked when I arrived, so I let her do her thing. Her baby was breech until 34 weeks. But then that week when she came to do my visit, I didn't find heart tones in the in the upper abdomen anymore and the baby felt vertex by leopolds at each visit after that i was also finding fetal heart tones in the right and left lower quadrants like i should be with a vertex baby prior to her water breaking she reported lots of big movement from her baby her water broke prior to labor starting and then shortly after she started having regular strong contractions i'm trying not to drive myself crazy in figuring out when the baby flipped or was i wrong the whole time during her newborn exam, her legs didn't appear to have been breached since 20 weeks. So I will never know. And I guess it really doesn't matter, which is what I was going to say. It really doesn't matter. Uh, I was gifted an opportunity and I've always wanted as a midwife. Isn't that great? The, that, the positivity there. I was gifted an opportunity. I have to remember that slogan, right? Slogan. It's a slogan. <laughs> well, it's going to be a slogan now. I was gifted an opportunity. Luckily, since your yeah. baby had been breached for... For a lot of her pregnancy, and we are also slightly obsessed with you, we had talked about vaginal breech birth delivery a lot and even reviewed the consent for it. After my discovery, I discussed with her and her partner the possibility of remaining at home if they were comfortable with it. Both Emily and I reviewed how is a variation of normal, and her baby was in optimal breech position with a nice and bum. I have never attended a vaginal breech birth before. I have done the breech without borders wow. training, and I did the hands-on simulation last summer with Dr. Hayes. I did this training after I discovered a breech baby at 10 centimeters in the hospital setting at my previous job. Um, Of course, everyone freaked out and she had no choices, but a C-section. I wanted to just tell her to flip on her hands and knees and push because I knew that was the best position from listening to your podcast. (laughs) But I would have definitely lost my job for that, which in hindsight, wouldn't have been a bad thing. (laughs) I love this woman. (laughs) Um, I was devastated for her, I felt like I had been part of a traumatic birth experience, I was disgusted that she had no choice, and I was part of the problem. I cried for days and I couldn't sleep. My disgust Mm -hmm. with the system of medical coercion and the COVID vaccination recommendation for pregnant women agenda that I was supposed to push finally made me throw up my hands and walk away from it all. I joined up with a CPM doing home birth. I always wanted to be a home birth midwife and was lucky enough to attend a few in Orange County, California, during my training. I was determined that I would gain the skills to provide choices to pregnant women and hopefully never feel like I failed someone again. My client and her husband knew I had never done a breach, but they still trusted me enough to stay home and do it. That's what you call a relationship. She's a hardcore medical freedom loving badass.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's why. (laughs)
0: My intuition told me everything was going to be okay, and I felt at peace about staying home and supporting her. My midwife partner does have some breech experience, and I also put out a call to other midwives to see if anyone else with breech experience could come. A sister midwife I'd never met before answered my call for extra support. We had four <laughs> we had four midwives and a midwife student. So, so awesome that she got to see that. Baby was out up to about her chest for three minutes before the head was delivered. At first, she did have good tone, chest cleavage, fetal heart tones but then her fetal heart tones went below 80. I'm not exactly sure why they knew that because generally we don't check heart tones when the baby's hanging half out like that. Maybe because have, they,
1: were, they maybe because the tone was changing and they wanted to see if everything was okay or if they needed to
0: step or in. Or they just yeah or they just they just didn't know and that's what they did and that's perfectly yeah. fine. I yeah. did have to go in and release both arms which were straight up by her head and assist delivery of the head after with the shoulder press. After the shoulder press did not work. Baby had a double nuchal cord and required some help coming into her body. Mom did have a manageable hemorrhage, blah, 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 blah. After all was said and stable, the mom and I hugged each other and on the bathroom floor, floor, so happy we had this life-changing experience together. I had to choke back my tears. I'm not really sure why I did that. I should have just let them come. Mm -hmm. Anyways, I discovered your podcast when I was a midwifery student. And I'm so glad I did because being able to offer vaginal breach has always been a goal of mine. I first heard about you listening to the birth hour podcast. I actually trained in D.C. where vaginal breach deliveries do occur in the hospital setting. Both the midwives and doctors at George Washington University Hospital support it and believe in teaching it to their residents and midwifery students. I did not know that. So that's good news. So Mm -hmm. hooray for this little victory. At my first job, I also worked in private practice where some of the older providers were comfortable with vaginal breaches and vaginal twins. Unfortunately, I never got the privilege of attending either in my time at George Washington. A year ago to the day when this baby was born, marked my exit from the traditional soul-crushing medical system to embark on my home birth journey in which I could practice without killing my soul and truly offering choices. I have come full circle and although my home birth practice is not paying the bills yet, it's nourishing my soul providing the care I've always wanted to thank you for all your wisdom and all the time you spend putting out content and teaching. Thank you for being such an advocate for vaginal breach and for outspoken being outspoken about all of the fuckery (laughs) going on in the world. She's really, she is really a devotee of the podcast. You know that.
1: I know she's putting in all the words.
0: (laughs) Yep. I would not know what I would not, I would know or have the confidence to offer it if I had not found your podcast. We are hoping to get you here to Austin soon for a breach training, but also just to come to medical freedom-loving state of Texas and free the LA fuckery, like all the others. I know you're tired and it's hard to be one of those only ones doing it, but please don't stop. You work, help me save a mom, a first-time mama, from an unnecessary C-section. Thank you, blessings, Lauren Foreman, CNM. So.
1: Ah, oh, you got a little choked up there.
0: Yeah, I do. I forget to breathe. (laughs) So I I thought that that was great because there's so much that you and Marin could touch on in what she said about her experience, her training, her, her, the words she said at the end there about how she found her freedom and whatever that famous quote is now that I I forgot already, but I'll remember in a second. So I'll (laughs) let you guys take the mic for just a second.
1: I'd love to hear from Maren because she's our guest. Love to hear from you.
2: Wow. That was a really beautiful letter. Yeah. 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 I feel that same way in a sense that the confidence that we're able to kind of pass on to each other. And I think, you know, Dr. Stu, for sure, that was one of the main gifts that you bring to the table besides your experience and your wisdom is a confidence that I think is really contagious. So, um, you know, I think we're all on the same page to not take that and become overconfident or arrogant, right, with the skills, but there's a simplicity to it. And yeah, there's so much there, I think, to touch on. What do you think, Bliss? Well,
1: I always said that uh, Stu has big balls. That's what I think. (laughs) The reason I say that is because he does have confidence, but it's the courage. It's the right. willingness to, you know, to 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 be one of those people who's really continues to speak their truth. And so I do agree that that's contagious for sure. Not the big balls, but the, the courage.
0: <laughs> and, and, I, and I just want to say that when she talked about how she couldn't take it anymore and how she felt horrified at what what she participated in in the hospital setting with that other the other breach, and that it, it it drove her along with the other fuckery to um to leave uh, the hospital based world is very similar to what happened to me and also Marin, yeah. sort of what happened to you. If you wanted to say a little bit about that,
1: yeah, tell tell us a little bit of your history and how you started indie birth and I, you know I'd love to hear a little more about
2: about that too. Sure, yeah, the following your heart thread I think is what has always I don't know. It's probably how I initially got in touch with you is just kind of feeling that vibe and, and hearing that story, story as, as well. As well. Um, my story as a midwife is kind of similar to Dr. Stu's, you know, leaving the hospital setting and becoming a home birth person. I trained as a midwife in the apprenticeship model in a couple of different places where midwifery was illegal, so mainly in Chicago. And I really, really did want a license. Um, I saw a lot of really unpleasant things and a lot of fear surrounding midwifery during my apprenticeship. And to be truthful, my reaction to wanting a license was also built on fear. You know, I saw my preceptor be, um, you know, I saw her house be searched by by police, like it was very traumatic. So in response to that, I thought, by God, I'll get a license and that will never happen to me. And we moved to Arizona and I worked really, really hard to get a license in that state. I think it's one of the hardest states to make that happen. The testing, at least at that time was really extensive. It was separate from CPM testing and it took a really long time and a lot of effort. So I was in that position where I was granted a license, and I really, really naively thought that that was the best path for me. Again, kind of with my history right in the background um, of watching my preceptor midwife. So I was so excited, you know, to advertise and and to have this sense of legitimacy and that lasted for about maybe 2 years. <laughs> and I soon found myself up against the state of Arizona in a legal battle, uh, an administrative case, much like yours probably. So there wasn't anything criminal. Um it and and mom and baby, you know, everybody had received good care, but a hospital had reported me for having served a woman who had a cesarean at home. And at that time, the rules were such that that was prohibited care. So due to everything I went through, they did end up changing that in Arizona. So there are ways that women can have a VBAC at home now, which is very cool. But at the time that wasn't the case. And they really kind of made an example of me, which I was glad for in this weird way. Like I could have hidden, I could have just lied or said whatever I didn't know or, or something like that. But I really felt in my heart that I wasn't going to put up with it. I wasn't going to just lie down for them. And before you know it, uh, I was in a position where I had to decide, you know, is this something I want? Is this something I don't want? This legal battle went on for two years, I think. And in the meantime, I was still serving women. I was still attending births. At the end, the state of Arizona decided that they would settle it and and I realized in hindsight, they had no intention of taking my license. They just kind of wanted to make a big deal, make a drama, and, you know, kind of reprimand me in the ways that government can and does. And I didn't want it. I had just had my sixth baby. He ended up being a free birth for kind of all of these reasons. And I emerged from his birth experience a completely different person. And I knew as a mother, I knew as a woman that for me, the path was not continuing into more of that restriction and more of that control. Uh, so I gave it back. I said, here, you can have it. I don't want it. And I wasn't quite sure at that moment what I would do, how I would do births, how I would be a midwife. And, and I thought to myself, hey, you know what? If I can't, if, if there's some reason that I'm not supposed to do this, then I'm also okay with that. I just I can't keep going the way I was going. My soul was dying. Uh, Once it all became clear what I was actually serving, which was the government and not the family. So uh, that was 10 years ago. And I was saying this to you in the car this morning. I feel so blessed and so grateful. And it was really hard and really stressful. And of course, I wouldn't want to repeat that. But I was forced to figure out what I really believed. And I'm really, really grateful for that. Um, because since then, indie birth has like really blossomed. Margot came on. She was a student back then, 10 years ago. She was my student, my apprentice. And since making that huge shift, not just in my outside life, but I think this internal shift of who I am, why I'm here, uh, things have really, you know, taken off as I believe they do when we're following our hearts. So I'm incredibly grateful. And and happy to share that with other midwives and other students. And and really clear, I hope that it's not that this is the way, it's not that this is a better way or the only way, it's just that this is the way for me. And uh, in my mind, it offers women options. So licensed midwifery, not licensed, doctor at home, like let's give women options and let them choose. Exactly.
1: So can you, can you clarify a little bit about what that looks like when you practice midwifery without a license? Can you say more about that?
2: Yeah. So again, back 10 years ago, when I gave the license back, I wasn't quite sure what that would look like. And remember I had this history of seeing underground midwives in in Illinois. Um, I was used to that scene. My very first personal midwife was an underground midwife. And while I really honor that, and I respect that, and that takes so much courage, I knew for me, that was not an option. Like I was either going to do this and be out there, or I wasn't going to do it. So long story short, after a lot of Google searching and reading and connecting with just divine people and connections, um, I realized that I could still do this work. And I know you guys have covered this topic here and there on your podcast, but uh, a private membership association. So I'm pretty sure I was the first one to do that as a midwife, at least in this country. Um, You know, there's a lot to say about that. I'm not putting it out there as like a magic bullet or a Band-Aid. It was the answer for me to feel good about what I was doing in a way that didn't make me hide. And since then, you know, it's been 10 years. Um, I understand a lot more about it, the way it works. My husband actually sets PMAs up for other practitioners. So he's really, really knowledgeable about the way it works. And in the end, it's all about the people, right? It's all about the women coming who want this. They want that relationship. They want that arrangement. And that has been the biggest blessing is finding these people and creating these really, really deep relationships around more than birth. So freedom and and all these things that you guys talk about, um, I feel like, you know, we're so on the same page that it's not really this big deal in a sense like license no license whatever it's just the right match for them and vice versa
1: yeah i can i can see that the people that would would choose to go so far outside of the norm um there's going to be a different synergy and relationship and uh, responsibility on their part that's that's kind of spelled out from the very beginning um, I'm sure that's very rewarding. So you can do that in any state, basically. So if you if you are a midwife who has the skill set and you have a PMA, it's different than like our licensure where you're limited to which state you could go in. You could basically be in any state.
2: Right. Again, licensing, of course, being different than certification. I've had the CPM certification as well for, you know, 14 years. So I could easily turn that into a license, especially where I'm at, but I don't want to do that. I'm not willing to do that. So yeah. Um, it doesn't really matter where you are if you have a private agreement between people. And again, you know, there's more to it than that. I, I hate, and I'm always like wary of kind of putting it out there as like this this weird magic thing. I think it's mostly an internal process because at the end of the day and bliss, I think you'll agree with this probably, um, at the end of the day, we're midwives and we never know. We never know. Like we're never, we're never safe in the same way that maybe a doctor would be, or maybe feels. Um, so I guess it's just like, fully accepting that and, and having worked on the fears and continuing to work on the fears. So it's not a magic bullet, but it's a a lot of internal work that is now reflected on the outside. If that's not too esoteric.
1: (laughs) Oh, you can go esoteric (laughs) for sure. For sure. Stu and I, you know, we have an interesting balance with that, but I can go all the way with you with that one. What do you want to
0: say, Stu? Yeah, I was just going to say that when I mean, getting back to Lauren Freeman's letter, when she said the term "gifted an opportunity," yes, um, fairness. This is a perfect example. You were you were gifted an opportunity. I was gifted an opportunity when the hospital that I was working at decided they weren't going to renew my privileges, and I was either going to fight them or not fight them. And um, you know, I never knew at the time that I was gifted an opportunity. I didn't see it that way at the time but I think of all the things that have been, happened since that time, because of what happened there. And I'm glad that the, you know, I'm so glad I made the choice that I made to walk away. Then, then, and just as you did too, to have some peace, you know, sometimes you just have to walk away and say, okay, you win, you know? Okay. You win. You're bigger than me. You have a bigger, you know, what than I have and you win. And bigger balls than even Doctor Stew, all right. <laughs> so um, that's the that's the that's the kind that's the you know. And you just let them let them win, because what did they win? They basically didn't win anything for themselves. They they maybe maybe they they felt proud of themselves for doing it, but did they help the women of the community? No, no. they took away a a, a, a a nice hospital option of a collaborative midwifery doctor practice in a hospital um, and you know but and that's what and they and they were fine with that because their uh, their goal is not the same goal that the three of us i think have which is to you know the betterment of women's health and just to give women these choices i think we should probably talk about our second sponsor today which is element l-n-t and Element is a tasty electrolyte drink mix, which sort of we love. And with everything you need and nothing you don't. And Bliss always says.
1: None of the BS.
0: Lots just of salt like us. no sugar. Yeah, none of the BS like us. <laughs> yeah. Great. Right. Great. Right. No misinformation. <laughs> um, it's to help anyone with electrolyte needs. And and a lot of the drinks that we drink nowadays, whether it's just plain water or whether it's something with sweeter sweet stuff in it. It's not balanced for us. It's not as healthy as, um, as an electrolyte drink could be. And the way a lot of people are on the go and they're fat, they're they're not eating well or they're eating fast food or whatever. This is a way to help balance that out. We like it a lot because we think it's a good supplement for women in labor um, to have to, to mix them up and drink those rather than maybe drinking something like plain water or or even something sweet. I mean, there's great things to have calories in it, that's important. But element is a good, is a good. Uh, supplement for for our population.
1: And you know what I was just thinking about? It's really great too that it's um, just a little packet that you can put in your water bottle so you're not producing a bunch of waste from a bunch of extra bottles as well.
0: And birth workers can carry it around with them too because birth workers would probably be drinking this stuff as well.
1: Yeah, put it in your birth bag.
0: So if you want to get a free sample packet, all you do is go to uh, drink Element d r i n k l m n t dot com backslash birthing instincts and for the cost of shipping, which is five dollars, they'll send you a sample packet. So give them a shot. They help support our podcast, and thanks, Element. Thank you.
1: And you know we're gonna all, we're gonna do the best that we can as as providers who are willing to kind of push back and and. Uh, really follow our heart and soul and hopefully more, uh, you know, there was a midwife, um, a younger midwife in San Luis Obispo, who I got to spend some time with. And she, you know, after meeting me, started listening to the podcast and she sent me a message and said, you know, it made me feel confident about, about not necessarily always playing that game, you know, of, of practicing in a way that's going to be acceptable to a doctor or to the people who are, you know, but like really following what I know is true. And I think that, you know, Marin, you know, with, with Indie Birth and your podcast and all that you're doing and all that that Stu and I are trying to do to just be ourselves and, and have other people see that this is possible. You can listen to your soul um, because there's only one life really. And, and what if you're, You know, there was something in that letter that really keeps calling to me to speak to is that, you know, witnessing the obstetrical violence, witnessing the trauma, witnessing things that that are not consent based, that feel like you're watching a woman being raped. Though you do go home and cry. You know, in my studies and and when I was a doula, there were many nights that I just did not know how to reconcile what I was seeing. And it does break my heart that I have to tell a breech mom who can't afford your services or you're off gallivanting um, across the country, you know, that they have to go and get a C-section. This is wrong, you know? And I, Maren, I don't know if you listen to uh, the Podcast that I recently recorded with doing it at home. But you know, we talked a lot about this, about the courage to be able to say, like, I have to practice in a way that feels true to me. And I don't break the law, that's something that I'm not really willing to do because, you know, I would like to continue to practice. Um, but I'm I'm also going to continue to fight the fight. And if that means that, you know, being out there and and speaking on these things brings attention to, to me. You know, like you were um, kind of uh, used as an example, right, in in this fight with Arizona. And, you know, those are scary things to consider. But it's also knowing that hopefully we're going to make an impact with other providers and other families. And we can only do what we can do. And then it's going to be up to the women and to the men and the families to be able to say no. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna tolerate this. I need. I need to have access to care providers that have my best interests in mind. So it has to be all of us changing the common culture and the conversation around it.
0: You guys, it was really well said, both of you. I, I just. Sit, I love sitting here listening to both of you. Um, Along the line of uh, when you mentioned uh, you don't want to break the law, um, gets me to my second letter. So let me read it. Let me. (laughs) Well, it's not it's not that juicy. It's, It's not that juicy, but it just there is something about it. So this is from Dilia and she lives in Ohio and she says, hello, Dr. Stu. Do you deliver babies outside of California? I'm in Cincinnati, Ohio, 37 weeks, almost 38 weeks. This was a letter that I got about a week ago pregnant with my second baby girl. We are both healthy with no pre-existing conditions or complications, so she's a multip. All right? What do I always say about multips? You know, the success rate of multips, they're a different species than primips and the success rate is what? Uh 99.9%, I mean, it's really high. Um she doesn't say her baby's breech, but it actually that's what she implies. She says, "I've been trying to turn her since I found out at my 36 weeks ultrasound, but she is not budging." My provider will not attempt an ECV as i have an anterior placenta right that i will just speak freely that is makes it a little more difficult it's not necessarily a contraindication especially in a multip but that's so they say they want to schedule a cesarean for 39 weeks which i am terrified of my first was fast under 4 hours unmedicated vaginal delivery my last ultrasound on march 23rd, the baby was frank breech thanks Dil- uh, dilia so i wrote dear dilia Thanks for asking. Legally, I cannot assist where I'm not licensed. That's a rule I still follow. Ha, (laughs) one of the the few, I said. I cannot tell you what to do, but I can say in moms with a previous vaginal birth whose babies meets the usual criteria for vaginal breech birth, have a success rate of almost 100% with a skilled practitioner. I don't know the laws of Ohio, but if you can find someone else experienced with breech, it is worth switching or traveling. Especially if you want a third baby. Your dilemma is way too common, and my profession has not represented itself very well. Then she says, Thank you for your timely response. I am sad to hear that, but totally understand. Thank you for your insight. I'm exploring all of my options while still hoping she will flip and trying all the things to encourage her as I'm quickly running out of time. Then she wrote me back a uh, couple days later. She said, Hello, Dr. Stu. I met with Wantina today. It was very good to hear her perspective. I'm not sure. It sounds like She's she's a Kentucky midwife. Okay, great. And reassuring to know that she'll be teaching breech birth with you soon. I actually lived in Louisville for six years while attending college. My provider agreed to try the ECV, but in the hospital with an epidural in place. So I think I'll try that, hopefully without complications. Then she writes me this morning. Dear Dr. Stu, I did it. (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, our, our precious baby girl was born breached this morning at home with Watina's help. Oh, Thank you nice. For, yeah. yeah. Thank you for giving me the reassurance and courage to go after the birth I dreamed for.
1: Aww.
0: She was born in the warmth of our home, surrounded <laughs> by love and support and people who truly believe in her and me. Instead of the cold OR, I am thankful to you and the work you do on educating about Breach births. You're truly changing lives. I know mine has been changed forever by this amazing experience. and I just want to say that for those in my medical profession who think that how a woman gives birth doesn't matter, that the only thing that, that only thing that matters is a baby in the bassinet, you're effing stupid. <laughs> okay all right yeah. I'll, I'll leave it at yeah. that. so I will you guys can comment on Dilia, but I'm I just going to bask in it for a minute. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Bask in it. It's beautiful. And next time Cincinnati is only two hours from here. So send her my way.
0: (laughs) Well, I I don't know. I don't know. I didn't know the geography, but, but she did actually follow and she did go look for somebody. Yeah. Yeah.
2: That's, that's fantastic. And I think I hear that and I'm so proud of women and I'm so excited for them when kind of similar to the story I was telling, you know, it feels like your back is up against a wall. It feels like the end of the world, but yet something in you makes you look, it makes you search out what you really want. And then when you're able to do that and you have such a fantastic birth, you know, you just feel like you're on top of the world in more ways than one. So congratulations to that mom.
0: Yeah. And, you know, and even if it didn't work out the way she wanted it to, she at least got to have the chance to have the birth that she wanted. It's not always going to be successful. All right. And there may be sometimes where it doesn't go well, but that's the choice that we make in life. And that's a crapshoot that, that birth is, um, you said something earlier when you were talking about, nothing is really guaranteed. It's like, you know, you don't, as a midwife, you don't really know what's coming next or what's coming tomorrow. And that's, I mean, that's true for me too. And and, and that's, it's true in life in general, but you know, it, 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 the, the, the life changing event for this family, and especially if she wants a third baby, it's enough that she's just on, over the moon for this one. But if, if she would have had that C section, and they didn't attempt the epidural, I mean, they didn't attempt the ECV, or that you know, and 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 they were just going to do a section on her. Um, I, I, you know, I, I, I know that every week I start to stutter because I, I, I can't get past the, the idea that my profession is the one making the rules and making the standards of care and, and setting the, the um, uh, what's usual and customary. And that doesn't mean it's right. It's just not right.
2: Hmm. Right, I mean, that's definitely true. But again, I guess I'm all about creating the new and I feel like you're a part of that, even though you've come from this old system, you've transformed yourself really like you're such an unusual person to have been in that and to have seen that there was a different and better way. So I think on that note, you know, I don't know that I have the highest expectations for more people in that field. I think you're just a unicorn, but like people like us together. And I think midwives, of course, we're the ones that have to carry the torch forward. We're the ones that have to hold the light and say, we're creating this new thing. And we just, at a certain point, aren't going to look back, you know, if that's possible. Like, I know there's lots of feelings and memories that we all have kind of about the world, the way it was, but that's not the case anymore. Like for the world at large and in birth, like it's really time to offer this new thing. And, I mean, I think that's what we're all doing.
1: But I'm wondering, when we say new, what are we talking about? Because uh, you mean
0: you mean old, you mean going back yeah. to the way it was, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it made me kind of chuckle, Stu, when you were talking about like your that the obstetricians are the ones who who make the decisions and set the tone and and decide how things are gonna go. It's like. I mean, if we really think about that, if we really think about that at some point, medicine came in, doctors came in, mostly male, because women weren't even allowed to learn and read at that point, and came in and took over and made the decisions and took birth away from the hands of women, period. Whether it was midwives attending, whether they were doing it by themselves, we were just having babies like puppies do, you know, like dogs do. I guess puppies don't have babies, dogs have puppies. Um, but it's but you know like let's really like start to think about like what happened that we allowed all of this to happen and that all of these statistics are crappy and women are dissatisfied and black and brown women are dying and you know and we're still going along with it. So when we say new, you know, it really is about like let's get back to to what is. Uh, real and 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 established in nature for since the beginning of time.
0: Yeah, we talked about this at the at the conference yesterday, that there is no fixing the current system, that the current system needs to be discarded, needs to be discarded completely when it when it comes to lots of most of what's considered Western medicine and healthcare system in in Western countries, but specifically when it comes to um, to uh birthing and, and pregnancy. Um, you're not going to fix the system. You're not going to get the hospitals to suddenly uh, change the rules. I mean, when, when they think things like uh, laminated cards that say skin to skin is in is a big deal, we're, we're never going to get them to really do with the things that are necessary to do. And what's going to happen, and there's going to be an awakening um, as there's more and more tyranny around the world in other ways, there's going to be people that are going to push back and fight back in ways that they can. And one of the ways that we can is, by taking back birth, um, and, and the, and women doing this and yeah. families and families doing this. And I'm really proud of the fact that it, you know, um, there is another option now for home birthing in Southern California because Dr. Victoria Flores is a young female, um, uh, physician who finished her, her well, took her, didn't quite finish her residency, but, you know, was finished her residency at Tufts and then just knew all along that she wanted to do home birthing. And she came in and, do, and and now it's doing home birthing. She's covering my practice and keeping it alive. And we had a false alarm last night about a potential uh surprise breach, which was just timely after we had just finished the breach conference. And I got a call from a midwife in Santa Clarita. And um, I said, well, I'm in Kentucky, but uh I, I got in touch with Dr. Flores and she was going to go. And then the senior midwife came and said, "Oh no, no, this is ahead. head." So it turned out to be a false alarm. But oh, no. there would have there would have been an option um, because Doctor Flores has taken that leap as well, and there's going to be more Doctor Flores out there um, to come. Because I can't believe that people, I know that people get brainwashed as they go through medical school and residency program, but there's but there's going to be a change. There, there. I'm, I mean, I just have to believe there's going to be a change because the status quo is just not something that. That is sustainable. It's just not.
1: Yeah, but I but I understood what you were saying, Marin, about like um, a movement. I think you know, like like this that this new movement of trying to um, speak out about it and make a change and go outside of the box and and you know take birth back, which is which is really what your podcast is titled, right?
2: Yeah, it is. And I mean, I'm sure we could talk all day. I'm sure we could all talk all day, but you know, something that, <laughs> something that comes up for me to make it more clear. Cause I totally hear what you're saying. Like it's on one hand, we just need to remember what we know, like birth works. There's actually nothing to change with birth. Right. right. So the radical, I mean, the root, you know, radical means back to roots. So there's a certain, energy for sure of just remembering. And I think as women, that's really big and that's really deep and that's way more than a surface conversation, um, around how do we remember? And then I think there is a new element to this whole discussion because we just can't do things like we used to, uh, with that level of consciousness. You know, I think the level of consciousness is rising for sure. Right. That's why we're in all this. So I would love to imagine a time where women didn't need to know anything, right? They just like squatted their babies out in fields. But I think that's probably gone for now. If we're going to reconnect women or help them reconnect to their wisdom, we're also taking this new paradigm, this new consciousness, this new way of people getting to know themselves, getting to know their power that I don't think people have been doing as much like, for the last X number of decades. So that's what I mean by when I say new, I think there's a whole new element. And, you know, even as far as options, like I'm not anti-medical, I'm not anti doing lab tests or anything like that. I am so pro power in the woman, whatever brings that woman power. And that's different than the holistic birth movement or the natural birth movement. I want women and midwives that have every option available to them because we don't need to, only be allowed to do X, Y, or Z.
1: And I, and I, I think that's a beautiful point. And I, I agree with you and can see the importance of um, kind of highlighting that because it's true. When I started my midw- midwifery practice, you know, I really wanted to practice like my midwives had with me 30 years before. And what I realized with social media and, and so much information inundated, it's very different than when I was pregnant 30 years ago. Um, and we have to as midwives, as these modern midwives that we are now have to integrate that unraveling that remembering that you were talking about which it's a it's a whole different skill set <laughs> than i think our you know our predecessors that supported midwife um moms squatting in the field you know that they didn't have to have that same skill set that we as modern midwives need to understand so i get that
0: yeah and just to sort of wrap up the conversation i think it's great that we are now entering a time where where the, the rate of home birth, whether it's because of the lockdowns or not or the or the rules, the rate of home birth is rising slightly in our country, and as it rises, it's going the word is gonna get spread and social media can be a you know as, as much as it does bad things, it can also be a uh, a useful tool, um, and once we reach a three or four percent rate, which you know my goal is five uh, percent by the end of the decade. Um, then, then we were part of the conversation and then, then we can, we can't be marginalized anymore. And then, and then women can take back the basic realization that this is a normal function of their body. It it doesn't need treatment. It doesn't need medicine. Uh, Medicine is useful in the rare times where things aren't working properly, but to encourage women, or I mean, not to encourage women, essentially to just discourage women from the idea that their body can do it. By, by planting seeds of doubt and projecting fear constantly. Um, that has to go. Those people have to stop. Those people cannot no longer be considered leaders of the profession. Um, they need to be called out at any cost and um, and challenged. And it's very hard sometimes to do that. Uh, people are worried about losing their jobs. Look, I mean, uh, uh, Lauren had to quit her job um, in order to practice the way she wanted to because she was afraid that if she spoke up that she would get fired. Well, yeah. People are going to get fired. People are getting fired now for, for dumber reasons than that. And, uh, we, you know, it's not necessarily going to be easy, but it's got to happen. It's got to change. And you guys are just, I just, I'm so lucky. I'm just so lucky. Um, you know, I have been gifted an opportunity by Marin to come and speak yesterday in Kentucky. And um, Marin has gifted us with her presence today. So, uh, yeah, I'll and just let step- you guys- Yeah. And wisdom. And I'll let you guys just wrap it up and say goodbye. And, and I'll just watch you.
1: (laughs) Well, I I, I feel like we just scratched the surface. Uh, I look forward to more times of, of hearing more about uh, your passion and your heart. And I didn't even get to ask you about raising 10 children oh my goodness and practicing <laughs> as a wife I mean I bow down at your feet I could barely do 3 so um and I, I I it's so nice to see you and Stu together I really was hoping that we could make this work because it's kind of a fun like on the road with all of these birth superstars that we get to uh to to collaborate with and to dream and to inspire one another and to hold each other up so thank you for saying yes and being here with us
2: thank you for inviting me i didn't realize that was your idea so i really (laughs) appreciate that
0: bliss bliss has all the good ideas
2: (laughs) (laughs) i should have known i should have known no just kidding um i am so honored yeah
0: say that again
1: I said, behind every great
0: man. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm.
2: He's blushing I'm... over here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I can't take all the. Gr- but anyways, I'm sorry to cut you off. Here.
2: No, just thank you. Thank you both for inspiring me and doing such great work in the world. I'm really honored to be connected with you, to have had you here. Your wisdom and experience and just love for birth is so apparent. And I really look forward to, I don't know, more collaborations and, and times together.
1: Yes, agreed.
0: So again, for everybody listening, um, whether it's morning, afternoon, evening, or?
1: Middle of the night.
0: We, we, <laughs> we, we, we appreciate you listening to, uh, to us. And we're grateful um, that you give us your time. And uh, we'll see you uh, next week, I guess, from wherever yes. we are. Yeah. We, who knows where we'll be?
1: Right, the adventure continues.
0: All right, bye-bye.
1: Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Birthing Instincts podcast.
0: We know that we all lead busy lives, so we are extremely grateful that you give us an hour of your time each week.
1: If you enjoyed this episode, please share. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast for the latest updates and reviews. To help others join us, you can find Dr. Stewart, at Birthing Instincts and Bliss at Birthing Bliss Midwifery on Instagram.